You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. God's plan is that we find a church and put roots down deep. I love what Rick Warren said in the Purpose Driven Church. He says, I love the church. The church of Jesus Christ, I love her with all of my heart. Despite all of its faults due to our sinfulness, it is still the most magnificent concept ever created. It has been chosen by God to be an an instrument of blessing for 2,000 years. It has survived abuse, horrifying persecution, widespread neglect. Parachurch organizations will come and go, but the church will last for eternity. It is worth giving our lives for. It deserves our best. God's chosen instrument of blessing for over 2,000 years. I believe with all my heart that every person planted in a local church, it is God's will for you to flourish. The church is not a building. Our church didn't expand when we bought plan B. The capacity to house the church expanded, but the church didn't expand because the church is not a building. The church is you and the church is me. And look what God says in Psalm 92. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Another translation says, those that are planted in the house of God will flourish like the cedar of Lebanon. You know, the cedars of Lebanon were the biggest trees of their day. Everyone knew about the cedars of Lebanon. They were tall, they were strong, they could handle storms that other trees couldn't handle. Do you know that every person hoped to grow a cedar like the ones of Lebanon on their land in Jesus' day? The psalmist here is saying that those that are planted in the house of God will be like those cedars of Lebanon, tall and strong, able to withstand the storms of life and that there would be a flourishing in your life. Goes on in verse 14, it says, they will bear fruit in old age. They will be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. When I was eight years old, my parents got saved. We walked into Nowra Brethren, I'm an ex-brethren. Nowra Brethren, are you ex-brethren too? Now, we got delivered together. Nowra Brethren, Nowra Brethren Community Church. My parents got saved, walked in when I was eight years old. And from eight years old to now, I'm 43, I'll be 44 in October. I have never not been part of a local church community. And I look at my life. I look at all the things that I value most in my life. I look at my amazing wife, Amanda, who, guys, I've married way out of my league, like way out. God has blessed me beyond my wildest. Steve, you know that deal. Way beyond, she's a few leagues above you, but I'm like one or two. So I'm outside, married outside, and I look at her. We met in the church. We, We were planted in a local I look at my kids. I've got Judah, who's nine years old. I've got Kyla, who's 16 years old. I've got Micah, who is 18, turning 19. You know, two weeks ago, we were driving home from church, and Judah's eyes lit up. He's like, Dad, I was on tech deck this morning. 
For those of you who don't know what Tech Deck is, it's basically the lights up in the kids' area. So I was on Tech Deck this morning. I'm going to be the best Tech Deck person they've ever seen. I'm watching Judah at nine years old discover things in the way that God has wired him. Both my girls this morning are leading worship and connect groups up in kids' ministry. And they've been, they, we commonly refer to our kids as church rats. Because you bring them in, they're everywhere. They just, they, are, they come in here, they know what's going on. But their confidence, and they are walking into a journey of discovering the gifts that God has in them and how to express, and all because of the church. I look at what I do as a vocation, as a job, and, and, and I, I look at how I've journeyed along for the last 36 years I've known what I want to do with my life. Why? Because I was part of a community that saw some giftings in me. And now you don't have to want to do or do what I do with my day to day. In fact, if you can avoid it, run from it. I would encourage you, run from it. But God, I am, I am convinced without a doubt that it is God's plan that every Christian who is planted in a local church, it is the plan and purpose of your life and God on your life that you would flourish and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, that your marriage would be like the cedars of Lebanon, that your internal world would be like the cedars of Lebanon. But the Bible says it's a result of being planted in the house. I love what Tracy said on her moment of fame up there. She, she said, the church is a family. Do you know that nowhere in the Bible is the church described as a cafe or a restaurant? It's described as a family and a community. Yet in our 21st century life, we can treat it more like a cafe and a restaurant because we can get our digital discipleship on. Like this weekend, who would I feel like? I feel a bit reflective. I'll listen to Bill Johnson and Bethel. This weekend, I'm feeling like a bit of leadership, so I'll get some Brian Houston or some someone else. And well, how am I feeling? I'm feeling a bit melancholy, so I'll go for some mellow worship. But next weekend, I'm feeling a bit up, so I'll get some elevation worship. And we can pick and choose and do what we want because of the amazing blessing of the internet. But God never called us to treat the church like a restaurant or a cafe where I come in and I get a little bit of what I want and then I leave. He wants the church to be so much more than that, that we would put roots down and grow together and learn together. And we're there in the good times and the bad times. But the church is about doing life together. God's plan is not that Christians would visit the church. But Christians would find a home and a community and put roots down deep and not be church or go to, ch sorry, not go to church, but to become the church. You know what saddens me about people who go from church to church? Is they're missing out on God's heart for them because they never actually discover that they're called to be a part of this thing called the church and they never get a full appreciation of what that individual church is actually doing because they're going in and out like a restaurant. God's called us to put roots down deep. Psalm 1-3 says this, He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that brings forth fruit in its season. 
in its season. You know that one of the challenges with Pentecostal Christianity is when we feel like we're not bearing fruit, then we uproot ourselves from where we are and go to the place that looks like it's more fruitful. But the psalmist says, bear fruit in its season. There are seasons where we're called to actually work on ourselves and prepare ourselves to bear fruit. And to us, it looks barren. To God, it looks preparation. But we go through that within community to bear fruit within its seasons, whose leaf shall not wither, but whatever they do, it'll prosper. We have this massive tree in our backyard. I've talked about it before. If you've been around, it's the one that Amanda looks, sits at and look, looks at while she's having her quiet time. And I love that tree for 10 months of the year. This two months of the year, I hate that tree because I'm a neat freak. And it's a massive tree with heaps of leaves that when I've got my yard just the way I want it, with one breath of wind, my yard looks like someone has trash stuff all over it. But here's what I've noticed. That if I walk out the back and look at some of those leaves that have fallen from the tree a day, two days, three days, four days, five days, a week ago, if I walk on those leaves and apply any little bit of pressure, they crumple and fall apart because they've been disconnected from the thing that is feeding them, whose leaf shall not wither, but will be able to survive the storm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fiddler. I just love fiddling with stuff. Come on, anyone like that? Like Amanda clears all the jewelry from our house because if she leaves a necklace laying around and I'm watching TV, I'll just fiddle and it'll turn into a big knot. I just, I just love like twisting. Come on, anyone like that? No one, just me. Awesome. This illustration is going to go a treat. Uh, uh, so if I'm walking, like if we're going for a walk somewhere, I'll often just rip a, a leaf off a tree and I'll kind of just fiddle with it. In my, like I was just walking along and smell it and it's all cool. Is that weird? Yeah. <laughs> I hate you people. Um, but, but here's what I've noticed. If I've just ripped it off the tree, I can bend it, I can squish it. And then when I open it, there's a few creases in there, but it's still together. Do you know what happens when you plant it in the house of God? When the pressures of life come, when the storms of life happen, when there is external forces coming your way, financial or internal, there is some resilience for you to be able to embrace and, in, and, and, and get some of that, but also bounce back. When you're disconnected, you're like a tree, a leaf from a tree that's fallen off and it's lost all of its pliability and any amount of pressure. Just come on, anyone know people who, any amount of pressure, they crumble. Because whose leaf shall not wither, but whatever they do shall prosper. So I wonder this morning, if we were to do a planted test on ourselves, how deep are our roots? Not, not just in church, but how deep are our roots, like we heard last week, in the Word of God? How deep are our roots in the presence of Jesus? How deep are our roots in the foundations of our faith? If we were to do a planted assessment, how deep do our roots go? Because here's the deal, we are all products of our environment. Perhaps more than anything in life, 
We are products of what we hang around. You might go, Scott, you know this isn't youth on Friday night. Yeah, this isn't a youth concept. It's a human concept. You never graduate from being a product of your environment. Psalm 27, 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. People who have a steel resolve make an impact. Have you ever talked to Pastor Paul Dion about where our church is going to be in 18 months' time by the end of 2020? You try talking him out of the fact that we won't be putting $20 million a year worth of community impact into our community. You try talking him out of the fact that we won't be believing God for $45 million to have all our facilities debt-free. Why? Because he's heard from, there is resolve on the inside of him. You know what we need around us is people with resolve that believe that your life can flourish in the house of God. So that when we face storms and we face things, that we don't have people around us who just bend to the storm. But we, say, we have people around us that say, it's not God's will for this storm to take you out, but God will get you through. Because those that are planted in the house of God will flourish. They're like the cedars of Lebanon. We are products of our environment. Psalm 101.3, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. You ever had someone's stuff cling to you? Come on, you ever had a conversation that you didn't have an issue before the conversation? But someone shared their issue with you and now their issue has become your issue because their issue has clung to you? You ever notice that the enemy is great at just inserting other people's issues into your life? Like, he'll just, we'll just, here's how it works. I'll show you. You're not getting it. <laughs> Steve, would you stand up for a minute? I don't need you. <laughs> you ever notice that the enemy just kind of inserts himself from time to time? And you're just trucking along and before you know, like, like, Hey man. hey, man. How are you? How's the carpet business? Good. Yeah? Really good. You laying some carpet? Yep. The weather affecting you? Not really. Okay, cool. How, how good's church? Awesome. How much did the All Blacks suck? <laughs> you can't say suck in church, but we're, we don't have a microphone. We're just having a chat. So, so I love life. Eh? It's a cool church. Eh? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. A few things are starting to bother me, though. Like, Johnny. Like, I mean, seriously. <laughs> Can't he have some respect for the house of the Lord? Like an open shirt, unbuttoned and stuff on a Sunday morning? Like, wow. Jeremy? Like bleaching his hair? What are we, in sync here? Or Backstreet Boys? Or... I know about, I see your wife's got straight hair. It's beautiful hair, by the way. It's awesome. My, my wife has the same. I just wish that we could find somewhere where the parking lot was connected to the auditorium. Because my wife gets up early and straightens her hair, and then on mornings like today where it's raining, like, like just fizzville. And then I've got to hear about it for the rest of the day. Like my hair's on for a while. And legacy. Like it's not enough that I show up. Then we've got to talk about what I can do 
above and beyond. And You know, it's as easy as that. That the enemy will want to get... This is weird. I'm going to get out of here, sorry. Excuse me, Steve. You and your monkey. Um, the, 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 the enemy would want to get stuff into your world that will stick to you. And you know what he wants? He wants issue transfer where I take on someone else's offense. I mean, you know what the problem with church is? They just, they just don't go deep enough into the word of God. I've got something for you. Buy a shovel and dig yourself. Because Sundays aren't for you. They're for people who are just coming in so that we can see this gospel move forward. And I will not set anything wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. Because here's what I've learned. Here's my whole message in one sentence. What's on what I'm in will eventually be on me. What's on what I'm in will eventually be on me. There's a story in the Old Testament, Elijah, who is the, the Bible calls him the greatest of all miracle working prophets. And he goes along and he picks up this young guy by the name of Elisha. Elisha is the young guy, right? Is Elisha is the young why couldn't it be Bob and Steve? Why does it have to be Elijah and Elisha? So Elisha is just kind of plowing along and working the farm. And Elijah comes up and goes, hey, I want you to work with me because what's on me, I believe God wants to, is in you. So we're going to do it together so that what's on me can help what's in you. You ever been in an environment like that where someone else has something of God and when you get around them, you're like, man, I want what's on their life. I want their marriage. I want their joy. I want their breakthrough. I want that. So Elisha, the older guy says to the younger guy, hey, come and hang out with me. And then the younger guy says to the older guy, I don't want just what's on you. I want double portion. Because he was the greatest of all the miracle working. And at that stage, he'd done nine major miracles. Caused the sun to stand still. Seen a young dead person raised to the, raise again. Seen 400 prophets of Baal. So he goes, I want double what's on you. So the older guy's like, nine, nine times two is 18. Carry the one. Um, all right. Fast forward at the end of the story. And God honors. And double what was on Elisha. Ja. Double what was on the older guy, <laughs> the younger guy got. Do you know that it is God's plan for the generations to get stronger and stronger? It is God's plan for His purposes to get bigger and bigger as the generations go by. And that's why the psalmist says, one generation will declare your works to the next and will declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on your glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous 
works. You know what I love about growing up in church is that this is normal for my kids. That what was a decision for me is normal for them. When we have something hit our home, the first response of our kids most of the time is, can we pray about it? Well, I suggest it and they go jump into it. But here's the deal. It is normal for them to believe God for breakthrough. It is normal for them to believe God for a miracle. It is normal for them to believe that God is good and wants them to flourish and prosper. And I want to make decisions today that affects the generations to come. So I want stuff to stick on me that set up the next generation to prosper and flourish like the psalmist says. Brian Houston wrote the church that I see a few years ago. And here's what it says. I see a church that loves God, loves people and loves life. Youthful in spirit and all the over 50s said, Youthful in spirit, generous at heart, faith-filled in confession, loving in nature, and inclusive in expression. You know what the church is? It's not a restaurant or a cafe. It's a family and a community for us to put roots down. Psalm 133.1, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Listen to me. God loves his church. God loves his church. Not the buildings, the people. God loves you. And God wants your life to flourish and be strong. And he gives us the key to doing that. Those that are planted, not those that visit, not those that podcast, not the, those that are planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of their king. First Kings 9 says this, where Old Testament, after Solomon had completed the building of the temple of God and his own palace, all the projects he had set in his heart doing, God appeared to Solomon again, just as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And God said to him, I have listened to and received all of your prayers, your ever so passionate prayers. God listens to your prayers. We don't pray out of religion. We don't whip around the rosary beads because that's what required of us. We pray because God listens to our prayers. I have sanctified this temple that you have built. My name is stamped on it forever. My eyes are on it and my heart is in it always. That's crazy to think that the creator of heaven and earth, his eyes are on the church. His heart is in the church. If you look at the original language, the picture that it's trying to create is when a young man is smitten with a young girl and is trying to, trying to get her attention. You know, when, when I met Amanda and we had our first engagement, it was in April of 1996. We were still in a brethren college called Hillsong and you couldn't date any other students uh, until the end of your second year. So our first date was December of 1997. 20 months, people. 20 months. 20 long months. But can I tell you that I used to work out ways that our paths would cross. I, I, was, the, uh, I was the head boy in the leadership side of the college, which means every, whenever there was trips, I would get to break up the student body as to who was going on what trip. 
and it just so happened by the Holy Spirit's doing <laughs> that we would be on the same trip every single time. We, we had classes that were together and then we had leadership stream classes and worship stream classes and I've got to tell you, just ha so happened, again, by the Holy Spirit's doing that when we were in our together class, there would be an open seat next to me, mainly because my bag and laptop was on it, but there was an open seat and I would work out ways where our paths would cross. Listen, are we working out ways where our paths can cross with the church of Jesus Christ? Or do we get up and go, it's raining, I'm not going today. Come on, his eyes are on it and his heart is in it. God's passion is for you to flourish. God's passion is for your life to be strong like the cedars of Lebanon. But it's based on us putting roots down deep in the community he's called us to be a part of. I love Stuart and Tash Ellis. I don't know if they're in this service. They weren't in the last one. Probably not, probably not good people. Oh, yes. I've been using you as an illustration. It'd be horrible if you weren't in church today. Uh, <laughs> I love Stuart and Tash. If you get around Stuart and Tash, you would think there is no other ministry in church except new Christians. Like, shut everything else down and just do new Christians. They are passionate about new Christians. Now, don't tell them this. I don't know whether they know this, but the most successful and the largest new Christians group that we run here at Life at any campus at any time is Tash and Stuart Elliott's New Christians Club because they love new Christians. Here's the deal. He, he doesn't work on staff. She doesn't. They are the most efficient staff members we have because we pay them zero. But they, but they disciple so many of the new Christians that come through. He's an electrician and Tash works in the business and then runs the home. But they love new Christians. They have found what it is for something to come alive on the inside. Why? By being planted in the local church and God saying, I built you for this. You are wired for this and releasing you into it. So you don't have to do what I do. You don't, want, you don't have to want to be in full-time church service. In fact, if you don't hear a very call clear from God, run. Don't do this. Go and do what you got to do. But I fully believe that it is God's plan that every Christian would grow strong and flourish in the house of God. Scott, the lover of Jesus, not Scott, the pastor, looks at his life and everything I value is out of a decision to plant myself in God's house because the scripture is true. So I wanna to talk to you. Uh, I, love what the, I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 8410, the message version. One day in your house, this beautiful place of worship beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. I'd rather scrub the floors of the house of my God than be honored as a guest in the place of sin. One day in God's house is better than three years anywhere else. God wants you to flourish. God wants you to grow strong. But he does it with you, not for you. So let's get planted in the house of God. So if, if, if we are a product of our environment and stuff sticks to us, then I want to talk to you about what I personally have caught and what I've seen other people catch from being in the house of God. Let me give you a few things that you're going to catch. Number one, confidence. 
confidence. You know, there has never been a time in history where society would try and rob your confidence. Whether it's jealousy, whether it's comparison, whether it's, man, I feel like I'm doing good and then I get on Instagram and my level of good is nowhere near the level of someone else's good and confidence gets robbed from us. You know, the church and the house of God is a confidence breeder. I married Kurt and Lily Hansen uh, towards the end of last year and they, they are a phenomenal, a confident couple. And if you hear Kurt's story, he's had some horrendous challenges and seen his mother pass away and some horrendous. So I'm not saying confidence because everything's gone well, but that couple, you get with them and they'll say, it doesn't matter what we face, we know God can get us through this. They are confident in their God and they're confident in the community around them that for us, early days in marriage, we've got everything we need to live the life God's called us to live on the high days and on the low days we can get through. And the house of God breeds confidence in you. And church, God wants you confident, confident in his plan, confident in his promise, confident in the way he's wired you. And I believe the house of God is the best place on planet earth for confidence to be bred in who you are. Number one, you can catch confidence. Number two, you can catch dreams and aspirations. Judah's nine years old, my son. And every time he finds something he either enjoys or he's good at, he's convinced he can make a career out of it. Like that, I, I, I am the best Lego builder that this planet has ever seen. He played rugby once and he thought he was going to be the next Richie McCaw. But why shouldn't people in the house of God have aspirations? Aspiration can be a dirty word, but godly aspiration. Why can't we believe for people to rise up who are in the house of God to say, I can put an end to poverty? Why can't we see people rise up in the house of God in the building sector to say, I can believe to make affordable housing for those who have been pushed out? Why can't we believe for someone to rise up and say, I want to get into politics and fix some of the policies that are ruining our country? Why can't we believe for someone to rise up and say, I'm going to get into Auckland Transport and fix the road systems in Jesus' name? the house of God I love listening to little kids what do you want to be and there is no limit why should that be different for adults because it's not a kid thing it's a human thing where the God who's called you to do it will make a way so let's believe for dreams to catch dreams number three role models you know there's no better place than the house of God to get role models my daughter, who I asked her this morning if I could share this story, a part of her journey. Uh, she's going to be 19 in March of next year, and she's a phenomenal. I, I love her with all of my heart. She's a creative, and God has wired her so beautifully. And to watch her discover how God has wired her and walk into that, uh, nothing does my heart better. But one of the things she has struggled with is anxiety. And if she was to go into an unfamiliar environment, she'd find herself tensing up and literally having panic attacks where she'd shake and cry and couldn't control it. So about, I think, eight or ten months ago or something, she called Bex Kanawa, who is Johnny's wife, who, alongside Johnny of pastoring this campus, she is also a clinical therapist. 
So she called Bex and she said, Bex, could we get some time together? So Bex came to her house and they wandered off down the beach. And an hour later, they came back and I saw Micah's face and she looked lighter in her eyes. About two weeks later, we were driving to a, a dentist appointment where Micah would have to have some needles and injections, I think. And one of the things that would cause these anxiety things is medical procedures because she was born in some challenging circumstances and she's had a whole bunch of medical procedures. One of the things that triggers it is medical procedures. We're driving down there and I'm fully expecting her to have one of these panic attacks. I look in the back seat of the car to find Micah going... I'm like, did you go to an antenatal class or something? Because I did that when you were born. I'm like, babe, what are you doing? She said, I'm, I'm doing what Bex taught me to do. I'm overcoming my anxiety. I said to her, is it working? She goes, Dad, I've never felt so calm going to the dentist as I do right now. Where did that come from? The house of God. When we turn church into a community, God in his wisdom, I fully believe the answer you're looking for Someone else, three or four rows up or down, has that answer that you're looking for. But that doesn't come through visiting somewhere. It comes through putting roots down and saying, I love your marriage. Can you help me? Give me the keys of how you built that marriage. I love the way your kids love church. What did you do when they were young to help them do that? I love the way you approach problems. What goes through your mind and how do you do that? And when the body of Christ intermingles because of deep roots, we are stronger because the answer that God has for you is 90% of the time delivered in a person and a connection. But it happens within the context of community. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.